0: God, our Father, we thank you for your word, the living word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that, Lord, you give us your word to read, to digest, and to understand. Father, I pray this morning that you would speak through me, Lord, that it be your words that we will hear, nothing to do with me, but you, Lord, by the power of your spirit. So please open our hearts and our minds to hear from you today. For Jesus' sake, amen. Just to let you know that I've prepared my preaching from the NIV. It's the same message, the same truth, but it'll be slightly different to the reading we've had this morning, just slightly in different words. The other morning, I was sitting at my table having my breakfast, and in the centre of my table, I've got this lovely orchid. It's quite small, but it's different colours, but blue, it's all purple, but different uh, blues, dark and light, and it's really lovely. Now, I've had that for about three months or a bit longer. And that's very good for me to have a plant for three months or longer. Not just an orchid, but any plant. Because I'm not very good at looking after plants. Now, when I was sitting there, I just looked at it and I thought, you're really beautiful. And then these words came into my head, well, that's you. And I thought, me? And yes, you're beautiful because you're being fed on the perfect food. And that was really amazing for me to hear that. But of course, then I got another thought, I need need a heck of a lot of pruning, I tell you now, a lot of pruning to make myself beautiful in any way. Now, my plant, poor thold, it's lovely at the moment, but it doesn't have a choice on when it's fed or how it's fed. It's relying on me. It could be feast or famine. Uh, I'm not the best provider. Now, we're going to look at John's Gospel reading today to see how we should be fed, and who we shall go to, to be fed from. Now the crowd here were listening to Jesus um, in, this, in this week's reading. They'd already been last week, it was the same crowd as last week that Matt did the sermon on. It was the crowd of the 5,000 plus, probably about 20,000 as Matt said, because it was family and wives as well as the 5,000 men. But here they are now, they're searching for Jesus. They've gone to the other side of the lake in their boats And when they got there, they saw that Jesus was there. Now, they hadn't seen him get into the boat with the disciples. But we know what happened. We know that Jesus walked on the water. Another miracle. But they didn't. And they said, how did you get here? Now, Jesus didn't answer that question. But he tells them they're looking for him for all the wrong reasons. After being fed with a miraculous amount of food, they are wanting more. And Jesus says, do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And this is Jesus, the Son of Man, with God's seal of approval. They've seen the miracles and they've even been part of his miracles. They want more miracles, more signs, more food. As Matt said last week, it's no good just looking at the signs unless we follow them. It's no good standing there and think you're going to enjoy these signs without doing something about it. Look at them, follow where they take you, and look to see who they're pointing to. And these particular signs from Jesus, about him, the Messiah, they're missing Jesus, missing the one who was spoken about by their prophets in the scriptures, the Messiah, Jesus. Then they ask a really good question. What must we do to do the works God requires. Jesus said, the works of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And that's himself, Jesus. Is that for us too? Is that for you and me? Just to believe in Jesus? Well, yes and no. There are a lot of people today who believe that Jesus was born in a stable. He died on a cross and rose again. And a lot of people go to church believing that, and they say, well, you know, I'm okay. Well, I go to church most Sundays, um, you know, I sing the hymns and say the prayers, uh, and I'm not too bad a person, so I believe that I'm going to heaven. Now, I can say that because that was me until I was 34. In my adult life, teenage life, Mm -hmm. I went to church and believed, um, but that's all I did. It was just my head, and that was it. And I thought I wasn't too bad a person either. But not until I realised that Jesus died on the cross, taking my sins on himself, which separated me from God, did I realise that I could have a living, loving relationship with the Lord himself, with Jesus. And that changed my life. It's not just believing in the truth in our heads, it's the truth in our hearts. It's living out the truth. And it's Jesus who is the truth. Now the people are still wanting a miraculous sign so that they can believe what Jesus is telling them. How many miracles do they want in order to believe? They quote from their scriptures, which was in the reading in Exodus this morning, where the people grumbled to Moses in the desert because they wanted food. They would rather have died in Egypt, they said. At least they had food there. So they grumbled. Have they forgotten what God has done for them, provided All those miracles that Moses performed under God's instructions and God's empowerment, and especially parting the Red Sea so all they could escape from the Egyptian army. And it was the Egyptian army who all died. Had they just forgotten that God had done this for them? Instead, they're grumbling. Could they not have said, Lord God, we thank you for all that you've done for us. Please, can you go on providing and we need food? But no, they grumbled and grumbled and wished they were back to where they were. So it's not that they didn't need food, but God did provide for them. He gave them manna from heaven, food from heaven, a miracle. Manna every morning, apart from the Sabbath day, when they would collect twice as much the day before. He gave them quail at night to provide for them. God, the great provider. Now, I'm guilty of forgetting how God has helped me in difficult situations, in difficult problems. I can see at times how God does guide me through. He doesn't always um, resolve the problem, and quite often he doesn't. But he guides us through, and he gives us all that we need through his Holy Spirit to know his peace and to know that he will go on providing. But I'm afraid sometimes I forget that. I forget what he's done for me. And then I start to, to worry. We all have things that crop up now and again, don't we? And I think, oh, what am I going going to do? And I start and I'll ask people, what do you think I should do? And and then I have a little bit of worry thrown in with it all. And after a while, I think, what on earth am I doing? Come to God, know his peace. And I feel, I can see the difference. Sometimes I can go on for days. But then when I realise and think, stop it, come back to God. And then I realise when I've read his word and I've prayed, it's the peace that he gives us the people in the Old Testament they forgot God's provision so I have to remind myself to keep coming to God, remember the goodness and power of God, the love of God and bring it to him so the crowd says God, the crowd's telling them about He's their forefathers they're showing Jesus and reminding him what happened in the Old Testament in their scriptures about their forefathers and what happened for them well what will you do They say, notice they quote from their scriptures about what God has done, the goodness of God, but they're choosing not to search their prophetic messages in those scriptures where there are many prophecies about the coming Messiah shown in Jesus Christ. They would know they were going to have a Messiah because they told them, God had told them, they would send him a king in the line of David. But they weren't looking, they weren't searching They would see that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise if they looked in their scriptures and had open ears and hearts. But we'll see further on that they couldn't or wouldn't accept the truth. How about us? Are we guilty at times of choosing parts of the Bible with a pick and mix mix approach? The parts where we think, well, that doesn't really apply to me. I mean, I'm sure that's for somebody else. And anyway, that was then, it's not now. Surely I don't have to take up a cross and follow Jesus. Surely I don't have to always put him first. What about me family and my friends? What about Jesus telling us to love our neighbour? Well, you don't know my neighbour. What about forgive your enemies? Is this all too hard? This is what the crowd were finding, too hard to accept. Jesus told them, His Father gives the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, the people say, from now on give us this bread. They are hungry, but hunger for the wrong things. They only want to see what suits their needs and their desires. They want the bread, but they don't want the truth. Here's the crux of the message in verse 35. Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And he says, I am. And now this is the first of seven uh, declarations of the I am. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. And the others adding up to the seven. But also we see, that's the verb, we see in the noun of I am, In the Old Testament, God says, He is, I am. When Moses asks God, You're sending me to the Israelites in Egypt to set them free from slavery, they'll ask, Who's sending me? Who will I say? And God says, Say, I am, sends you. So it's a veiled um, message to the people too that He says, I am the bread of life. He is the bread of life. This is God Himself. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but I will raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. What a promise! for us all. What a promise that he's gonna raise us up on the last day as we believe in him as God draws him, draws us to his son, Jesus. But the Jews couldn't take the claims of Jesus. How can Jesus say he comes from heaven? Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Jesus tells them no one can come to him unless the father who has sent him draws them. He quotes from the prophet Isaiah, where he says, the people will be taught by God. And here is Jesus teaching the people of God, teaching the people on earth. This is God on earth fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. He says, everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Claim after claim that he is from heaven, and only he has seen the Father. The prophets prophesied about these times and events. If the crowd found the first part of Jesus' teaching difficult to believe, then the next revelation about himself and the relationship people need to have with him is something they will not accept or believe. Jesus says of himself, Here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat, and to not die. Unlike the miracle of manna from heaven in the times of the Exodus, which they ate, but still would eventually die. Jesus said, I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This claim claim of Jesus caused the Jews to argue among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? This message for the Jews gets even harder. I tell you the truth, unless you can eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Three times there, Jesus says, feed on me, I am the bread of life. Feed on my flesh, drink of my blood. And three times he says, and you will be raised up on the last day, to be raised up with him. All Jesus has said points to him being equal with God, which he is along with the Holy Spirit. And the people used those claims and others against him as blasphemy at his trial. When we read the Bible, we are reading it with hindsight. We know that Jesus' body was broken on the cross for us. We know his blood was shed through the whipping and the nails and the crown of thorns as he died in agony on the cross. It is his body, Jesus' body and blood that we feed on spiritually so we can live. He died a criminal's death, for that's what he chose to do for each of us, taking the punishment for our crimes, for our sins. Jesus is the bread of life. And remember his sacrifice every time we partake in the Eucharist, which we will this morning, the communion, his body broken, and his blood shed for the world, for you and me. But of course, you don't just remember that today when we take communion. And this is important because Jesus commands us to do that. And it's very important. But we must remember every day that we come to him for him to feed us with his body and his blood. As we read through the words of the Bible. Matt talked about signposts last week. And one of the greatest signposts is this. One of the greatest signposts is God's word in the Bible. This is the truth, as Jesus is the truth. It's all here about Jesus. So it's no good leaving the Bible on the bookcase, which I did for many years, and saying, well, this book tells you about God and not doing anything about it. We have to take it off the shelf, read it every day, and ask God's Holy Spirit to help us to hear the words of God, to be fed by his word. Get to know his love for each of us to hear clearly the voice of Jesus. We will never hunger or thirst when we give our lives to him. I want to finish with four verses which are further on in this chapter. I'll not read them, but I'll just give you a synopsis. Apart from the 12 disciples, Jesus had other followers and they were called disciples too. Jesus said to them, does this offend you? The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. How very sad for them that they missed Jesus, standing in their midst, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the promised Messiah right with them. They missed him. And it's like that today. The good bits people will enjoy and will accept But as soon as there's anything challenging or sacrificial, or maybe giving our our wills over to God, many will drift away. Jesus asked the 12 disciples, you do not want to leave too, do you? Every time I read this and the following verse, I get goosebumps, really touches my heart. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Part of their answer is our verse for the year. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you're the Holy One of God. They would experienced his miracles as the crowd had. They'd heard his voice, but they knew him day after day. They'd seen his compassionate heart. They'd seen his love. They'd heard the authority that he spoke with. They knew God had touched them, knowing that Jesus was the Messiah. They wouldn't go anywhere else. Do we come to Jesus, the bread of life, and allow him to feed us so we can share the bread that Jesus has given us, that we can share the bread we know with others? Let's pray. A verse which was written by King David from Psalm 38, verse 8. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Lord God, thank you that you want us to taste and see that you are good every day of our lives, and you are good. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your love. We thank you that we're your people when we come to you. We pray, Lord, that you will go on feeding us, that we'll go on coming to you for the food of life that you give through your body broken and your blood shed. May we rejoice, Lord, today and the week ahead that we belong to the King and share that knowledge and that love with others. For Jesus' sake. Amen.